Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. I'm reading the scripture because I love the scripture, as I do a lot of scriptures, and you do too. But I'm, I'm really, the emphasis is really on the last two verses of this text when I'm reading this, this whole passage because I, I just love it. And I, I just, got to be honest with you, I feel inept. I feel like I have no right talking about this. Like I have no right talking about God's love. I mean, how can I do, I, I can't do justice to even a little bit, to really tell you, explain to you, as much as we have the scriptures and as much as we have history of God's love through Jesus, I, I, I can't do it justice. It, and, it's, and it's overwhelming and it makes me not even want to talk about it. I got to be honest with you. I'm going to, but a, a little bit. Because it's just so vast, so huge, so deep, so powerful, God's love. Just, it's, an, it's incredible. So having said that, let me just uh, read Ephesians chapter 3 and then follow up my thoughts I just shared with something that A.W. Tozer said about just feeling like you're unable to do this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, Paul says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people. Hmm. Together with all the Lord's people. It's collective. It's not an individual thing. It is, but it's also collective. That's the thing about love and knowing Christ's love. It's not just for you. It's for everyone and especially for His church, for God's people. What a great love that together, and I'm thinking of couple weeks ago finishing up that text in Hebrews where we encourage one another and there's this theology of one another one another it's not each other it's one another we love each other love one another we encourage one another we spur each other on run one another on right one another we're together with the Lord's people that we would have the power in fact back up to verse 8 we're in verse 18 back up to the beginning I'm going to skip the phrase together with all the Lord's holy people and, and just read through that. May that you may have power to grasp or to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I have to stop here because I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. I love when inspired writers and scriptures write like this. Did you read his words? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. What? To know what you can't know? Yes. That's how amazing, deep, personal, and experiential this love is. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. I know after reading, to reference the Preston analogy, I know after observing, I know after even other family members having children and I hold them and I feel the love and whatever. But until it's your own child and he's in your hands, you experience what it, the depth and what it is. That's what this is like. That you would have the knowledge that surpasses knowledge. You know it for yourself in the deepest part experientially. The God 
who loves you so much. Sorry, I get fired up because it's exciting. It's amazing. It's so God's love fuels and propels us, doesn't it? It really does. And even though we're so imperfect, it still pushes us. And in verse 19, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Man, when you grasp that, when you can get a little bit of a grasp, I'll put it that way, it's probably more fair to say it, then you will be filled with the fullness. You'll know who God really is and all of his fullness because everything else is connected with all his attributes are not void of his love. And just like his justice and his mercy and his omnipotence and omniscience and all, all those attributes and, his, and his, the, the, his nature, they're not void and empty of his love and vice versa. They are all there together. Perfect unity. And we have a hard time understanding that too, right? Praise the Lord. What a great passage. Now, A.W. Tozier, he was a theologian, a pastor. He wrote 40-some books. But, and I love how he writes because he's pretty simple, the way he writes and, and, and articulates things. And I, I share this sentiment. And as I was reading this week, I... I I have several of his books, and I, I referenced this book on the attributes of God, and it, it, it was it. It sums up how I feel. When I look, and I'm quoting him, when I look at what love is, it reminds me of something my dear friend, Max Wright, who is the son of a rabbi, an Oxford graduate, and a great saint, said. I said to him one time, Dr. Wright, what do you think of Rotterham's work on the Psalms? He was a theologian and a commentator. Brother Tozier, he said, Rotterham botanizes the Psalms. A botanist takes a flower and pulls it apart to analyze and name the parts. When he is through, you do not have a flower, you have botany. Rotterham takes the Psalms and analyzes, classifies, breaks down, and pulls apart. And when he's through, you do not have David's Psalms anymore. You have theology. I thought that was pretty good, Tozier writes. But now I feel a little self-conscious when I try to preach on the love of God. I'm concerned that I may be botanizing, tearing the petals off to find out what they are. And he says, but I'll be careful to put them back together so that you won't go away with a petal and think you have the whole garden. That's how I feel about God's love. I, again, I'm reading that again. Now I feel like I should just say, thank you for your love, Lord, amen, go home and love everyone. I, I, because I can't, I, what, I don't care who it is. And I say that, I, I, you know what I mean. Like it's, I don't care who you think you are. I don't care what great theologian, scholar, pastor, which, how, how regarded and revered you are in this nation, whatever. You will never do a complete justice to how awesome God's love is. You'll never do it. We have tried for generations, for millennia now in the church, and we still can't get to the bottom of the depth or to the highest point of the height of God's love and to the farthest reaches of the length of His love. We can't get there. Yes, we have Scripture and we have words, which are finite, by the way. And God chose to reveal Himself that way. And we have Jesus, historically, who walked. But when we try, and you want me or somebody else or Pastor Dan to try to tell you about love, all we can do is take one petal. 
But don't be mistaken that that's really what it's all about because God's love is so huge and there's so many facets and angles and depths to it. Oh, great is his love. So Lord, have mercy, help me. And so you know what I've done? I've simplified this as much as I can from a topical perspective because there is so much to talk about God's love. But I just want to read and then share with you three things that you've got to know that God's love is and what it's like. Three things about God's love. See, here's the thing. Love can be a challenge to define at the level of how a person experiences it. I want to say that again. Love can be a challenge to define at the level of how a person experiences it. See, on the website, gotquestions.org, and there's many others, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what they said, and some of you know this. In the English language, the word love, like many other words in our language, The word love is forced to bear the burden, they say, and I agree with this, of a multitude of meanings. We have a lot of words like that. We Think about it. We love everything from pancakes to our parents, don't we? Right? We love them. But it's different ways. And in other languages, like Hebrew and Greek, there is so much more clarity on individual words to the meaning. And we have to take some English word like love, and within that word love, it's so broad, and there's so much underneath it that you have to break it up and to really understand when you read the Bible and what God's love is all about. I'm not going to even try to do that exhaustively or anyway today. That's not going there. But there are different kinds of love that we find even in the Greek language. There's eros. There's eros. There's... Um, phileo, which is a brotherly love, and eros is that it's, it's a sexual uh, a love that, that, is, that God desires to happen between married people, by the way. I just think I need to say that because we believe that 100% as followers of Jesus. But then there's that brotherly love where you have this, this love that exists between close friends, brothers, sisters, and it's a love for and by a friend, and there's no sexual connotation. We just love each other. And then there's that storge, and it's, it's that word, once again, there's just that deep affection, and, it's, and, it's, and in the, even it's, it's ahaba in the Hebrew, and that word is used also in the Old Testament because of its broad range of meanings, but it's a deep affection that you have for someone or people. And finally, of course, we know as Christians that we know that word agape, right? The agape love. We know the word agape love in, 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 in Greek, and that is that, is that God's love, I mean, think about it. it. It is so good that it's sacrificial. It's all out sacrificial for your good. I don't even know, there's many ways to try to explain it. It is that self-giving love for the, your betterment and for your best that I will lay down and do anything. You know, agape is so closely connected to the Hebrew word chesed, and it's a steadfast love, and it's a word that in English, we, we have to use many words to try to describe, but there's this covenant that's, that's behind this word that God has that he initiates. It's a covenantal love. There's affection, there's emotion, there's feeling, there's goodwill, there's benevolence, there's grace, there's mercy, and it's all tied in because of this covenantal love that God has. And the word that we see in the Old Testament for this word is loving kindness. And it's a word that is used for God's people and towards God's people in relation to them, and especially the nation of Israel. Shesed. He never... Listen, this Shesed love of God is why He never gives up on those that have been adopted as His children because of their faith in Jesus Christ and what He did. 
You might give up. We sang about God will never give up. It's his loving kindness. He will keep being good to you. He will keep reaching out to you. He wants you. He will keep you. He will hold you. He'll restore you. He'll prosper you. That's the loving kindness of God that every step, everywhere you go, he loves you and has your best in mind. And he, of course, evidenced that when he died on the cross, when he sent his son Jesus. Listen, in the most basic sense that we understand, love is that emotion that we feel, and there are also actions that are performed by someone concerned for the well-being of another person, amen? Love involves affection, compassion, care, and self-sacrifice. Those are all what makes up love and is involved with love. Three things. They're not long, I promise you. I said it'd be simple. God's love is first incomprehensible and I want you to take that to heart today and even with the scripture I read that God's love is incomprehensible but we read that we can that that Paul wants us to to grasp and to comprehend or to know depending on your translation how deep wide long how deep and how wide and how long is God's love so what do you mean it's incomprehensible it is incomprehensible Paul is not saying that you will comprehend, that you may grasp, that you may comprehend. It is this constant progression of going deeper and knowing and learning and experiencing God's love. You will never fully comprehend. I will never fully comprehend God's love until I see him face to face. So I'm in process. I'm in route. And hopefully I am grasping more and more and comprehending more and more the depth, the width, and, 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 and the height of God's love. This does not mean that God is not knowable. You could still know God, but he's incomprehensible. And there's two reasons why you can't comprehend God. You might know, but you can't fully comprehend God's love. Why? First, because God is infinite and we're not. God is infinite, which means his love is as well. There's, there's no end to it. We'll discuss that quickly too in a second. We have limitations as created beings. And, and listen, that limitation alone creates a problem for us to be able to grasp who God is in an exhaustive way. His nature, His attributes, His ways, and His plans. We simply cannot, you cannot, we cannot wrap our minds. I don't know why I'm doing this, but my mind is coming out of my brain and it's going to wrap. But we can't wrap our minds around This concept that that's how huge, how amazing, incredible God's love is and you can't comprehend it. Isaiah 55, 9 says, and there are other scriptures, I'll just go there because some of us are familiar with that. God says through the prophet, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. End of story. We'll never be able to reach the limits. Well, there is no limits to God's mind and his love and, every, and his ways. But you will never get there to the end of them. We are limited because we're finite. God is infinite. Second, we have a hard time grasping and comprehending fully God's love, even though we can know him, because there's something called sin. And, and, and God is holy and we're not. That presents another problem. Our limits are there, but then you add sin on top of that, our finiteness, and you put, God is, God is unique. He's one of a kind. When we say he's holy, there is only one God. He is of another kind, if you will. There, there is no one else. There's one God. He's, he's, 
He's, but he's also pure. When we say he's holy, it's not that he's unique and one of a kind. There's no other. He's also morally pure. Totally pure through and through. He's sinless. And we are not. Amen? We are not. Sin causes us to search for God and to understand his love in impure ways. I love but. I love but. And when we say, and I love because, and sometimes we fill in because we expect or we're wanting something in return. Love doesn't work that way. Love doesn't expect anything in return. It doesn't. It just loves. And that's sometimes hard for us to grasp because why? We're limited and we're battling with sin. Sin gets in the way. It causes us, again, to search him out and his love with predetermined ways and presuppositions in ways that in which we think that he ought to be in his love according to our limitations and imperfections. And sin perverts and corrupts that process of us coming to know who God is and how he acts. He's incomprehensible precisely because of at least these two reasons, and I'll leave it at that, but we can still know him because he wants us to know him and he's revealed himself. We can know God and his love by knowing Jesus. Jesus said in John 17, 3, when he was with his disciples and he he prayed to his father, he said, now this is eternal life, that they know you. Not that they, he didn't say that they comprehend you, that they fully grasp who I am in their minds and in their intellect, but that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. God is knowable, but he's incomprehensible. You can chew on that for the rest of your life. And it's awesome. Secondly, God's love is immeasurable. And it plays off, it's connected to this, this idea that God is infinite, but God's love is immeasurable. You cannot measure the volume of God's love. I I remember, not always, but I remember going to deep freeze a couple times and we would get together for snow camp and you get into the van and of course everybody has a sleeping bag, so I'm not counting that. But everyone has their bags and some of the, the team, the boys, they come in and they got a duffel bag this big and it's just packed, but that's for the whole weekend. Then all of a sudden along comes Megan or Madison or I don't know, I'm just naming some, whoever it is. A young lady comes by and she has a suitcase and it's the sweatshirt is coming out of the zipper that's ripped because it's so packed. It's containing it, but it's coming out. And that's the kind of picture it is with God. If you try to take his love and you compact it and pack it into something that he's in his huge volume and you pack it in and you say, this is where God's love can fit. And in my framework, in my mind, this compartment, it's so big as it is, philosophically and intellectually and any other way, rationally, and I fitted it, you can never do it because God's love can't be fit inside there. It will always overflow and spill over. You can't contain it. There's no volume of any material or intellectual thing that you can create that will ever contain the vast volume and how big that volume is of God's love. It goes throughout the world and the universe. It's, you can't contain it. It can't contain it. There's that song, I, never mind. You cannot measure the volume, but you can't also measure the length, the width, or the height of his love. 
Listen, no tape measure is long enough to, to measure God's love. You can't do that. You, there's no laser beam that makes measurements that can go up. I don't even know how they're measuring our solar system now with all the different technologies and radio waves, whatever they do. I don't even know what they do because that's beyond me, incomprehensible to me. But anyway, they, they're doing this. They, they're not going to be, they, they don't know how big the universe is. They have theories, but they don't know. But I'll tell you what, it goes on and on and on and on. That's all I got to say. That's how God made it. That's what I believe. And I think the Bible teaches that. It's huge. It goes on and on and on. And you cannot measure that. Psalm 36.5 says, Your love, Lord, it reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Oh, man. That's way beyond me. That's way above me. So if I'm walking in, it's, and if, if I'm, let's, just, let's just take a picture. If we measure it, and if we can even get to the edge of the atmosphere, and that's all God's love, and I'm walking under it, I got a lot of love above me. But it's even beyond that. The heavens, the sky, it's, it just goes and keeps permeating and driving out. Psalm 57 and Psalm 108 echo the exact same thing, almost word for word. Just a little different language, but it's repeated, the same thing. You cannot measure the length, the width, or the, uh, the height of God's love. You cannot measure how long God's love lasts. It's immeasurable. You can't do it. Some of you are watching, you're like, Pastor Bob, it's 1138. And, you're, and it, this, is, this is a finite sermon, right? And you're like waiting. It is. You can measure that. And we watch our clocks. You can't do that with God's love because you know what? God's love, God's love, just like God himself, is eternal and infinite. He was always there. It's everlasting. So before there was even time, God's love was there with him among the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then his love goes on now and it'll go on into eternity and we'll be enjoying it with him one day forever and ever as well while we do so here too, right? You can't measure how long God's love lasts because it lasts forever and ever. It'll never end. Psalm 103.17 says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children's from everlasting to everlasting and that is an expression that is used in the psalms as well many times referencing god's loving kindness his love his faithfulness his goodness and his mercy from everlasting to everlasting just the psalms not to mention the rest of scripture that god's love is everlasting you can't measure how long it lasts because it lasts forever just just know that god's love is incomprehensible it is immeasurable but finally, God's love, and just a third thought for you today, is that God's love inspires. It inspires. God's love causes us to worship. Now, in Psalm, I'm going to the Psalms again because there's so much of this in there. In Psalm 136, it's a short, shorter psalm, but it's a history. It is a history of Israel's deliverance and how God kept protecting them. And then after every so many, after, after every phrase and an expression of, of, of an a, a facet or aspect of that deliverance, it says, his love endures forever, or his faithfulness is everlasting. And it repeats over and over after every verse, over and over and over. And many of the Psalms are like that. And it's, again, the repetition of his love that endures forever. God's people have been praising God and worshiping him whether it's in song, in testimony, whatever it is, everything they do to offer a praise, like just a shouting a hallelujah, it's all because he loved us first and we love him back. It's all because of his love. It inspires us. It pushes us to lift our voice, to, to have our hearts just overflow and pour out with our affection to God and our worship. 
You know, God love inspires because it was love was modeled by God Himself, who loved the world so much that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And He manifested that love of God. Jesus manifested that love of God as Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 5 and verse 25. This is what Paul says. He says that husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And what? He gave Himself up for her. That's agape love. There's affection. There's goodwill. There's care. There's guidance. There's protection. There's sacrifice. In this love, you want the best. And you know what the beautiful part is? That Paul also writes that he will present that bride, his church, to God the Father one day, spotless and pure, because he loves her. His love never ends, and he continues to love even though he's ascended. And he sent his Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that we have this hope, and that hope is not in vain. And we have this love. The Holy Spirit poured out God's love in our hearts. We have that love there and it overflows now because God modeled it and it was manifested when He sent Jesus. He loved, He gave, and then Jesus manifested the love of God when He gave Himself up on the cross and He rose again. And now, husbands ought to love their wives. We ought to love each other. In fact, 1 John is all about we loving one another, us loving one another. And so because it was modeled and manifested, now we can live out We're inspired to live out God's love toward others by loving and caring for them. It reciprocates and it multiplies and it gets goes further out and it penetrates into all the places where love is not or is needed. Doesn't God do this? I mean, He provides and guides us, or should I say He corrects us as well? Because He loves us. And he wants our best. And he's, when we go off, he grabs us by the back of the neck sometimes and says, get back on here. I love you. I'm not doing this because I don't love you. You're going to fall off and die. Get over here. You're going to go off the edge. And he yanks us back because he loves us. And that motivates us to love him back because he protects us and cares for us. Christians are to do the same. You know what? That's the meaning of obedience. That's the meaning of obedience. We do, and we're inspired by God because of His love to do what He commands us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, and we're going to close in prayer in just one minute. John says in 1 John 5, 3, This is love for God, to keep His commandments. <sighs> I love you, God. Oh, but I... To keep his commandments, and you just, you, it just, you, I fall short. My love for God is demonstrated, it is validated when I'm doing what he wants me to do, when I obey him. And when I read that, it's like, oh, it hurts me. I get, it just, I realize. And many such verses are found in 1 John, which will, I believe, convict, if not at least challenge you for some introspection, and then some action. Chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another. There's that word again, those two words, one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But wait a minute, God's incomprehensible. How can... 
Because when this is this is it, because you experience God's love for yourself, you might know, but until you just know, you know when God's love is, you know what it is, you can comprehend at least to some degree. And you look at the scriptures and then you read the word of God and the Holy Spirit comes and he fills you, and you have that love of God in you, and you love him back, you've got to know it for yourself. No one else can do it for you. It's got to be this experience you have. I can tell you all about it. Somebody else can tell you all about it. You can watch other people relishing and enjoying and just living it up in God's love, but you've got to know it for yourself to really know and experience it, I should say, for yourself, to know God's love. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love isn't God, but God is love. That's a whole other This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. How many times have you heard that in this passage? This is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but... but If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us or it's manifest. It it becomes visible. God becomes visible and known when we love one another. In fact, Jesus said that, I think, in John chapter 13. He says, by this, the world's going to know that you are mine. And I'm paraphrasing, when you love one another. It inspires us to do all these things and more. Where are you at? Have you come to know the love of God? Do you know God's love? And then secondly, are you living in and sharing God's love? I would just say, knowing myself, that we could all use a little help with all those things. Because after all, Love comes from God, God is love, and now it's our turn to love. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for your great love. Lord, I pray these simple words, thoughts, concepts would just sink home in our hearts and our minds. Cause us, Lord, to be like you. As we surrender, receive, accept, and share your love, I pray, Lord, that... that, uh, Others would know for themselves this great, deep, transformative love of yours that you have for us. Father, I pray that we would be difference makers in this world because we love others as you loved us. In Jesus' name I pray and ask. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Go in God's love and share his love. Amen.